welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise God. Years ago, Ruth and I, we stood on a bridge overlooking Zambia. We were in Zimbabwe, and the brother we were with had been there for 42 years, and he said, I sense in my spirit, this is about nine years ago, something wonderful will happen in Zambia. And we were really stirred this morning when we heard that, amongst other things. We just were at a conference in England last week, week before, last week and we met an Irish couple who grew up under our care in Dublin many, many years ago, and 30 years ago they went out to Mozambique as a trial, and 30 years later they're still out there. You know, we don't hear of these things enough. This is wonderful. Pray for Africa. Uh, so much is happening out there, and they are sending men and women out from those lands um, to many other lands to evangelize. So touched. What a wonderful morning it is. It's always a great joy and privilege for us to be here, share with you. We had a real sense of the Lord's presence amongst us today. You know, we, we rejoice when He moves to touch, to heal, to speak. But you know, I felt this morning He was paying us a compliment to some of us. He also moves to trim to trim our wicks. He also moves to chasten. He says, whom the Lord loves tenderly, passionately, he counts it a privilege sometimes to adjust, to take the edge out of things, to suggest things in our lives. That's his trimming. Just a few, not random verses, but I'm not reading them all. I'm just taking some out. It says, the Lord said to Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly from it, with his heart that you shall take my offering. Why? To make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to what that is, the passion of the tabernacle that I showed you on the mount. And you shall also make within this tabernacle, within this great room, I want you to make certain things. He said, you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. A lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornaments, knobs and flowers shall be of one piece. And you shall make seven lamps for the lampstand, and they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. And it, shall be, and, it, and it shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which you were shown on the mount. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light in the lamp to cause the lamp to burn continually. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil which is before the testimony you shall have Aaron and his sons, and they shall tend this lamp and its lamps every evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever. 
This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Now, to my surprise, one of the features I used more than I thought I would on my iPhone is this little light, this LED flashlight. <laughs> you know, it didn't feature on the original iPhone. <clears throat> I think they launched it in 2007. It didn't have a light. But you could buy an app, apparently, and you could download the app, and it would brighten the screen so it could be used as some sort of torch. But we had to wait till iPhone 7, 2013, for this little light to be built in. And how welcome it continues to be. I think this is an 11 or 12, I've lost count. But how welcome it is that they continue. You know, in the midst of all these other amazing gadgets on my phone, the technological wonders on this phone, on this, probably my office 30 years ago would have had filing cabinets that would fill half the stage, and it's all on this phone. You know, all my music, all my books, all the newspapers, every, it's incredible. I mean, maybe it's only people of my age realize, how does this thing work? It's, it's incredible, and yet, light does not go out of fashion. <laughs> Only the other day, I, I was parking in a place, there were no lights, it was, it was early one morning, the lights were late at night, and I dropped my keys, and where am I? I couldn't, it was pitch dark, but I had my phone and my handy flashlight torch, and I could find them. Praise the Lord for light. Last year, we spent a very interesting afternoon visiting the oldest lighthouse in the world, it's not so far away, it's in County Wexford, it's called Hook Head Lighthouse. You should go there, and I hope you get the guide that we had. He was magic, he was fantastic, he was like an actor. And there was only the two of us and him, and we were captivated. History unfolded, everything unfolded. He did everything but preach the gospel, but my wife <laughs> preached it to him before we left. <laughs> but he was over 850 years old, was this old lighthouse, and they're still using its light to guide shipping, no longer a wood far, which they had originally just a wood far on the headland, no longer just the candles of co and coal, no longer even paraffin oil, but it's now powered by battery and mirrors, etc. He said, light has saved countless ships from disaster all over the world, lighthouses, think of them, thousands they've saved. I just recently uh, I saw on the NASA uh, um, website that they and the European Space Agency, 2020, I didn't know this, but they'd sent off a satellite called the Solar, the, or Solar, the Orbiter. And they were trying to get nearer to the sun. I don't know if you know this, but the sun is 93 million miles from the Earth. And even from then, the photos that we've had of the sun are amazing. But now they've cut within 47 million, halfway there. And then the orbit of Mercury preparing to go nearer the sun. But in the meantime, they've had these amazing photographs. And I've never seen the sun look like this. It's like halfway there, and they're taking these photographs. But it's interesting what they said. 
why they went there. Someone said, are you spending billions of dollars just to take photos? They said, no, we are ever learning about the Earth's light source. And how does the sun create and control the constantly changing space environment throughout the solar system? And these are amazing photographs. But little do they realize that there is, in fact, a greater source of light than this wonderful sun. Hallelujah. You know, light, lamp, shining, brightness are all words continually used throughout the New Testament. They're used about you and me but primarily about him. He said, I am. This is an amazing statement. We hear it so often. We have texts on the wall. We memorize texts at Sunday school, etc., etc. But this is, maybe some of hearing it for the first time, even on you online out there. Jesus said, I am the life of the world. This is a wonderful sun he's created. It's up there, out there, shining today, thankfully. But he says, I am the light of the world. And then he even said, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. And then he tells his, those who were beginning to follow him, he said, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill, cannot be hill, nor do you, you light a lamp and put it under a bushel. Paul prayed for the, his friends in the church in Philippi, and he said, oh, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul at Antioch said to the Gentiles, there's a big change in, in emphasis from primarily preaching amongst the Jewish Christians. They felt to be sent out, and he was talking about it, for the Lord has commanded us, that was Paul and Silas and Mark and some others there, he said, I have set you as a light to the nations, that you should be salvation to the ends of the earth. There's many verses in the New Testament about light. One other, it is God who has commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts from in here to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of, of God in the face of Jesus. You know, when someone when you and I have been transformed, regenerated, born again, whatever way you like to say, light comes into our lives, whether we know it or not. The illumination of the Lord pours into our soul, and so begins that process of being made image bearers, light bearers. One of our eight granddaughters is called Lena, which means light bearer in Scandinavian, I think. And it, it's we begin to be reflective mirrors of the Lord's grace and his mercy and his love and his light. And as we begin to walk in this newness of life, our lifestyle, our worldview, our thinking, our paths, they get bathed in a new light. That's why those folk out in Zambia saw out of Parrot and, and Ronan and Natasha and others, they were drawn to light. We're, we are like moths drawn to a flame. It, 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 this is an insuppressible light. Uh, and it actually is a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. And as we go on with the Lord, we discover this life of Jesus dwelling within us by the Holy Spirit. At times, it's remarkable. At times, we're not aware of it, and others are, but at times, it's remarkable. It's astonishing. It's illuminating as his spotlight highlights various areas and elements of our life. Now, his life 
is both a source of grace and comfort and guidance, but honestly, at times it can be disturbing. It can be up unsettling as he seeks to bring everything into the light so that our light even shines brighter <laughs> as we move on with him. And so if your light flickers, he loves us so much that he comes amongst us. And even this morning, I sensed it in my own life, he was trimming my wick. <laughs> he was taking a hard edge off something. It's a wonderful picture. I'll go to there in a few minutes. I just want to talk about the Lord Jesus. It says of him, there's an amazing short description of his essential nature at the beginning of Hebrews. Have you, have you read it? It says, who, Jesus, being the brightness of the Father's glory. And that word brightness, it's a rare word. It's only once in the New Testament. It actually means reflected splendor. You know, those modern-day lighthouses, it's not so much the power of that light, it's the power of the mirrors that are somehow reflecting that light out that makes it shine. So that life that you've received, and I trust you all have received him in by his spirit, through what he has made available to us, through his redemption, through the gospel, we receive his light. You are reflective of something eternal. You are reflective of something magnificent. You are reflective of something that can pierce the darkness. Yes. Hallelujah. And so... As we go on with him, we discover that the life of Jesus dwelling within us by the Holy Spirit is, is, is changing us, is doing something. And so this brightness of his glory, this reflected splendor. You know, John and Patmos, he describes the Lord Jesus. He, he couldn't find words. He's searching for words. And he says his countenance was like, was like the sun shining in its strength. Now, the sun is interesting. You cannot really see the sun, but what you see are, the, are its rays coming out. You identify the sun is out today by its rays, by that which emanates out from that. Really, the sun is just a, a ball of helium and gas and incredible. I think it's what, it's, is it 100 times the size of the earth? It's huge. And it's just on the right distance from us. We don't want it to come any near. It's just right. He's placed it that way. The heavens declare the glory of God. Hallelujah. But it poses a question. If God has shone his light in our hearts, what keeps the light lightning, lighting in our lives? It's him. He's the wick trimmer. Don't be offended. In fact, it's a compliment when he comes and he says, my son, my daughter, I want to trim a little bit here. And we go, oh, it's, it's the devil. It's, it's, no. <laughs> Hebrews says, you know, don't despise the chastenings of the Lord. And we can think of how our father may be treated. My father, I had good parents, hallelujah for that. But you had a cruel father. He's nothing like that. Or a, a cruel teacher in school. He's not, he loves you so much and he's so gentle. And it even says in that wonderful picture in the tabernacle, it, it talks about the utensils that the high priest and then he trained men to come in and trim this lamp, this menorah. They call it a candlestick. It's, it's not a candlestick. It's a lampstand with oil. It was very before its time, three, four thousand years ago. They built this amazing lampstand. 
And it's, it's like a tree that was the center stem and three branches coming off as six, seven. And, and there, there were little bowls, three bowls in each of the branches, shaped like the almond leaf. Apparently the almond is the first fruit that, that comes out in the springtime in Israel. It's a sign of resurrection, of life. And there it is, intricate, wonderful craftsmanship, all made of, of beaten gold. It speaks of Christ on the cross. This is all, we're gold, we're silver because of what he has done for us. And then inside, there is a wick made of cloth that is connected to the bowls, and that goes up to the top. And they, they obviously are lit. And this is what he's called when he comes to trim the wick of our life. You are the, you are the wick, I am the wick, we are the the light bearers. And at times that wick can get a bit smoky, it can get a bit dim, it can lose its edge. And he says, oh, my son, and by his spirit, he himself comes and he moves amongst the churches on the earth. He moves amongst the individuals and he says, can I, can I, can I knock on the door and come in here? I just want to trim this a bit. It's a compliment. He's fitting you for more. He's fitting you for something greater, for pure, for higher, for, can I say this, even more enjoyable. Can you see, Garrett, he was enjoying. Even though, I don't know, I just, well, I do know. I don't know. The There's great cost that comes out of this. Uh, uh, sorry, that went before it. I've known friends who've laid their life down in, in various, and for year in, year out, they just plotted, and then, He's trimming, he's making some. So maybe this is, this is a word for you this morning. Don't despise the chastenings of the Lord. He keeps the light flickering. What, whatever things were written beforehand, the Old Testament says, were, in the Old Testament were written for our learning. And we've talked about that, about the lampstand. And every morning these priests come and they would attend to it. And they wouldn't just... By the way, the utensils they used, it's very interesting. You know, we think one was a tongs. Uh, not tongs, speaking in tongs. Tongs. It was a tongs. Do you know what a tongs are? My mother had a tongs, and my wife has a tongs. They're great on the patio. Tongs, tongs. It's a tongs. And the other was like a tweezers. And they were made out of the same gold as the lampstand. That's how high he, he, he estimates these tools. And he comes and he removes these little thorns, the jagged edges, the thing, oh, well, it's only me, it's my nature. No, we have a new nature. And he smooths the way and he pours in the oil. And that they will ensure that the light bearer, the wick, you and me, remains clean, remains operational, remains shaped, remains free from alien impediments. And the wick trimmer comes and he uses these and they extract hindering debris and thorns, which we pick up simply by sometimes by, oh, I was in great sin. No, we just pick these things up because we live in a fallen world. And there are moments and times we are conscious of it. Years and years and years and years ago, I won't even tell you how long ago, we were just a ragamuffin group and we were meeting out in, uh, in Dunleary in a rented house or we were caretaking a house overlooking the sea 
and tens, tens, tens of young people were coming in. We didn't even go, well, we did go out a bit into the people's park and down there, and they were just coming. People were getting inside. Spirit was coming. But we hadn't a clue, really. We were still half in the world and half in this incredible light and life he was bringing into. And, and most of us had come out of the old late 60s, early 70s, rock and roll period, flower power, everything else. And some were still had some dubious things in our pocket and we had to say, what's it? You know, and there was just a mess. And into this, I was thrust as a three-year-old Christian and, and an old, a brother two years uh, like older than me. He wasn't half as spiritual as I was. But anyway, and here we were, trust into this. And it was crazy. Music everywhere. Long, long meeting. We were dancing, we were singing. But something, we just knew it was kind of, it wasn't pure. But we didn't know. And then God sent us two men from England, older guys. You know, beware of the older guys. And they came in and they began to share things that we had never heard of in our lives. And they presented songs we would never have dreamed of singing on. I mean, they didn't have that, that, that R&R beat. They were singing like, like, Jesus is changing me, Jesus is changing me. The work of the refiners for me. He said, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? To be as pure gold in the house of the Lord. And this is my offering unto you. And we began to sing this. And over a long weekend, the Holy Spirit came. Now, looking back, we all know what that was. It was a move of the sanctifying power of the Spirit. He was trimming our wicks quite radically. Quite a number left. They said, oh, you know, oh, this is not for me. They weren't prepared. By His grace, some of us were. We hung in there. And so He brought us into something new. It's called the New Covenant. Hallelujah. And so I welcome whenever He... And has that ceased? No, He still comes in. Larry, you don't need to be doing that anymore. It's superfluous. You don't have to waste your time on that. Okay, Lord, thank you, thank you. And then you end up, no, no, okay, Lord. Now, he's not a joy. He's, giving you, he's making space and making room in your life for so much more joy and peace. Have a look at the wick trimmer in action. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, and that angel is just someone that was in that church. It could have been a messenger in the church. It may have been the pastor, the elder, a deacon, just someone who, who was trustworthy in that church. To him or her, the church of Ephesus, these things says he, this is the Lord Jesus, who holds the seven stars. Who are the seven stars? Well, we see that in the end of chapter one. They are those seven messengers. He holds them. And if you're a messenger in a church, and you may not necessarily be a recognized person in that sense with a title, and he holds you in his hand. You're precious. In that sense, all of us are. Okay? He holds the seven stars in his heart, and this is what he does. He walks in the midst of of the seven golden lampstands. He's talking to seven churches, representative of all churches. And here he is, he's walking in the midst. And he says, oh, I, I love these people. L look, Father, they've accepted me as their redeemer. They're in and they're moving on. I just need to trim a little bit here. I just need to do something there. I have so much more for them. They're wonderful people. I love them. I want to do that. And this is what he starts to do. Now, we're not kind of, we don't have time to go through all of these. 
but just have a look at one or two, because I want to say this, we can emphasize too much of the trimming. No, it's all trimming. It's all trimming. No. You will see here, yes, he trims, but he also fills or refills. As well as forming in Genesis 1, he formed the earth and then he filled it. It was almost like when he was forming, I want to fill, I want to fill the sky with stars. I want to fill the sea with fishes. And I want to fill that human vessel with more of my life. So always bear that. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Because he, he wants to make room and increase your capacity. Briefly, the church at Ephesus. Oh, what a great church. You know, it had been born in a great revival. It was founded by the Apostle Paul. It was pastored by Timothy. The Apostle John was one of its deacons, and it's believed Mary, the mother of Jesus, lived there. What a church. Wouldn't you want to go there? The church was large, influential, hardworking, resisted false apostles, took pride in its authenticity, kept the truth in its doctrinal purity. It didn't grow weary or give up. Hallelujah. And yet how sober was the warning from Jesus that this great church had lost something of its spiritual compass. It had slipped, drifted slightly. You know, success always brings danger of a self-satisfaction, of pride, of even a kind of a smug pseudo-spirituality amongst good men and women. See, it says in verse 4, they hadn't lost their first love. They had left it for other things. They had drifted in favor of duty, of doctrine, of correctness maybe. So Jesus' words to them were clear and to the point as he trimmed the hard edge of, this, of their wick, individually and collectively as a church. We lived through some days here maybe 10 years ago when there undoubtedly the Lord Jesus was moving amongst us here as a church and was trimming, trimming wicks. Hallelujah. Maybe some of you weren't here then, and as a result, you are here. <laughs> the church is still here. The presence of the Lord and His glory, the Shekinah glory as we've experienced this morning is still here. Ministries are going out. It was a wonderful time. And so he just says to them, repent and do the first works. Don't we put off with that word repent. It's just simply turn, change course a bit here. You know, you could be one or two degrees, ah, and come, thank you, Lord, you're bringing me back. You know, sometimes our hunger, for, our lack of hunger for the word needs trimming. Lord, I'm just getting tired of this. I'm not getting anything out of it. Trim me, Lord. Trim those, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Trim my appetite. Trim my thirst for this word. And he does. He loves to do it. And there he is with the tongs and the tweezers. And before you know where you are, oh, can't get enough of it. Hallelujah. I want, to, I want to make this positive because he's totally positive in this. To be as pure gold in the house of the Lord. Then the Smyrna. We won't go into all the details, but there was another type of trimming. Old religious tendencies. They were kind of concepts that are against God's new economy, his new covenant, and they need to be trimmed. The things which hinder the real true life of God in a local church. And so we need the high priest to come and to trim. So, you know, sometimes I begin to read the scripture again through the lens of the law. 
So I say, oh, this verse is teaching me how I can win his favor. Hello? That's the lens of the law. If you want that, I'll head with it because I know I can never really win it. Or else, Paul, to the Galatian churches, he said, it's the promise. So I want to read the scripture through the lens of the promise. The promise that he'll come and be in me and write his new covenant on my heart. This is this one. So he's speaking to them about that. Pergamos and Thyatira. You can say there's been books written on these seven churches. I'm just, for the sake of this morning, what I felt the Spirit is doing amongst us to flow in with what he's already spoken to us this morning. Pergamos and Thyatira, they, they, they needed pretty severe trimming because of certain acceptance and compromise of immoral lifestyles. Oh, what else is new? <laughs> There isn't anything new under the church. And in this age of such liberalism, such sexual immorality and confusion and perversion and deception, this is a serious warning from Jesus. The encroachment of suffocating, never-ending waves that come in through the social media or on social media, however way you like to say it, it can absorb our time, exaggerate things that are less important. It changes the, the, the truth for a lie and the lie for a truth, saying that this is okay and we realize in his word it isn't okay. We can be sucked into this. And so all this worldliness, if I can use that word, symbolized by uh, uh, Pergamos and Tyre had to be trimmed away. Then just in the last one, Laodicea, this is a different type of trimming, lukewarmness. They They had become indifferent. He said, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. Because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to. He didn't say he did. He's about to spew you out of my mind. He basically said, I don't like how you taste anymore. We grow indifferent at times. We all do. If people say, oh, I'm never indifferent. We do. There are moments, periods, seasons. The ambush of disappointments takes its toll etc. And we get sort of indifferent. Lord, come and trim this sharpness again in me. And if you're in that state today and you're slightly indifferent now to some things, you know, there are many people that come to meetings and they're proud to be moderate. I'm a middle-of-the-road person. It's uh, good not to be too extreme or too committed. I'm not too cold, but I'm not hot either. Well, Jesus, he doesn't like your taste. (laughs) And he comes and he trims that within us. Please note verse 19 of chapter 3 into these Laodiceans. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Bear that in mind. It's out of sheer love. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Don't go off in a huff. Don't get offended at God. And if you have, just come back now, right now. Say, Lord, uh, I'm not going to even... How into it. I've done that. I'm sorry. I'm indifferent. I sense this. I want you to trim this lamp. And before you even finish the prayer, sometimes he does it. <laughs> you know, it's not like us and we get the hammer and the chisel. No, he's not right yet. Oh, get back. No, no, it's another three months. He's not like that. In my experience, grace comes. He runs to us. It's for freedom he set us free. 
You know, back in the Old Testament, the priests, as well as trimming, they also filled the lamps. So what is this infilling in, in these churches here in Revelation 2 and 3? What's the infilling that Jesus brings as he trims and cares for these churches individually and as churches together? Well, according to these chapters, it's an infilling by eating, by taking in. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So the church to Ephesians, he says in verse 7, to him who overcomes, to him I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. So can you see if you're, now what sparked this off, it was on my heart coming down in the car, but Stephen prayed and what he, he wonderfully led by the Spirit this morning, but he prayed a prayer at the end. And it was two signs. He said, Lord, if we have to surrender to you, we want to surrender. And this, what I think is the Spirit is saying to some of us, you know, not feel that, oh yeah, well, white flag, oh yeah, you know, just say, Lord, I come to you again, because I've tasted and seen that you are good. Peter says, have you tasted today that the Lord is gracious? So you can trust him to trim us. And then he fills us he said, you can eat the tree of life. This is to the Ephesians. After saying a heavy word to them, he says this, to eat of the tree of life is the best filling. And this oil surpasses all the other oils. And then he promises to those in Pergamos, verse 17 of chapter 2, to him I will give of the hidden manna. Again, it's eating. It's an analogy of eating. To eat of the hidden manna is to be filled and supplied with the life from, where did the manna come from? Above. <laughs> and they said, manna is Hebrew for, what on earth is this? <laughs> and they pick it up and they, have you any, what on earth is this? Yeah, have some, what on earth is this? Oh, thank you. Have you had your, what on earth? Will we toast, what on earth is this? It, manna. What is this? And you may suddenly see, wow, what is this? <laughs> he's trimmed your light and now he's feeling you. Hallelujah. And then, even better still, the church of Laodicea, the indifferent ones, the ones, the lukewarmers, and there's always lukewarm, oh, he's just lukewarm, she's just lukewarm. They never get, oh, no, he goes out to them in great love and compassion and tenderness. And what does he say? I'm actually standing at the door and knocking. I have the tongue and the tweezers in hand, but he's something else. He wasn't thinking of that. He said, if you open the door to me on this and come in, I will dine with you. Can you see the, you know, to eat of the tree of life, to eat of the hidden manna, to feast with the Lord? These are all his infillings. This is like those, think of the candlestick, filling up that oil. And it was, it, it, there are details in the Old Testament of what the oil was. It was pure olive oil, squeezed out, speaks of Jesus, speaks of Calvary. And that oil is coming up. And the effect of this heavenly ministry is like a metabolic transformation. That's a chemistry term when it processes the food and drink of your body into energy. And spiritually, this complex process combines things and, and, and you feel energized spiritually. And old things, hindering habits, quirks we've allowed to develop in our lives will be discharged and replaced with something new, with brightness, with reflected splendor. Okay. Just one short story and then we're out of here. 
You see, you and I just might need to adjust our aim as regards certain things. No, I'm on target, I'm on target. Well, maybe if the wick trimmer comes amongst you and he says, just, I want you to adjust that flame. It says in the Old Testament that the flame shone out in the front and your flame is a bit to the side, hmm, a bit to behind. It was much better, no. And he comes in, no, no, I'm on target. And he says, no, you're not. Here's a short story, American rifle shooter, Matt Emmons was one shot away from winning his second gold medal in the 2004 Olympics. Was that Rio? Anyway, he was so far ahead in the competition, his final bullet just needed to hit the target anywhere. And with nerves of steel, he took a deep breath, pulled the trigger, bullseye. But when Matt Emmons looked at the scoreboard, no lights appeared. Nothing registered. The judges came over. Questions were asked. Did the gun miss far? Was the scoreboard broken? No, none of these things. It turns out that Emmons hit the wrong target. Standing in lane two, he fired at the target in lane three. He couldn't have been more, more accurate, but in the wrong direction. Nil points, he finished eighth. Oh, that can be a spiritual condition. I'm right. No, that's where I'm going. Well, what about over there? Over there? No, no. Here. Wrong target. He trims us. Oh, by the way, his aim was trimmed. He went back to the next Olympics and he won. I think he, he ended up winning three medals anyway. This is what the ministry of the wick trimmer does in our lives. He's keeping us on correct target, preventing us from losing our edge. The kindness of the Lord leads us to turning and to asking him to do this. So, Lord, we yield to you our trimming. Smooth that rough edge in me. Deal, Lord, that self-reliant attitude I have, Lord. Father, trim compromising attitudes. Lord Jesus, cut away religious tendencies leaning to attitudes of pride. For whom you love, you chasten. And do not despise the work of the wick trimmer in your life. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.